You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. And this morning, as we center ourselves around that, I want to talk about those different kinds of connections that we see in this passage and the kind of connections that we experience and the kind of connection that I think we're looking at from God. And one of the things that I think about is um, an experience that happened to me maybe about five or maybe six years back. I was invited as a, as a new pastor to be part of a preaching conference in the Bahamas. And after I heard the word Bahamas, that's all I needed to know. I was on board. I wouldn't be a presenter at the conference. I was excited to learn, but I was invited uh, by a retired pastor at the church that I was serving who was helping to lead that conference in addition to some other pastors from the Bahamas and from Florida as a way of helping train pastors in, in the craft of preaching. Uh, so I was excited and thrilled to tag along because I would get a chance to listen and to learn at the feet of some of the best preachers and pastors that, that I had known and looked up to. And so as we flew down there, now I had been to the Bahamas before, and I'd probably been like most of you by getting off of a large boat that docked there or by uh, leaving the hotel that we were staying at, for example, on our honeymoon. So I'd seen one side of the Bahamas, but I was seeing the other side of the Bahamas, the real places where people lived and worshipped, and we were holding the conference in one of the Methodist churches there in the Bahamas. And honestly, I felt a little disoriented. Most of the group of leaders knew each other because they had been putting this conference on for years. Myself, it was my first time there, and it wasn't the Bahamas I was used to, and I didn't really know many other people. And so I was just quiet and kind of in the background on the night when we landed, and we all met up at the church to plan and to connect and to talk before it started the next day. Well, as I was there that, that evening, I noticed that there was someone else who seemed to be quiet and seemed to be in the background, and I thought to myself, maybe he is new to this experience like I am too. And so I made my way over to him, and I didn't know him, so I just introduced myself. I said, hey, I'm Brian. He said, hey, I'm Mark. And that was about the extent of the conversation. Uh, so I kind of moved to another part, and he did too. And I noticed a little while later that the conversation was still going, and I thought, well, I don't have anyone else to talk to. So I made my way back over uh, to Mark again, and I just said, well, hey, you know, what, what brings you here? And he said, well, uh, so-and-so invited me. I'm going to be speaking at the conference. And I thought, well, that's cool. And I said, well, now where are you from? And he said, well, I'm, I'm from Virginia. And I said, well, hold on a second. I'm from Virginia. And I said, well, what part of Virginia are you from? And he said, well, I'm from Norfolk. And I said, you got to be kidding me. I grew up in Virginia Beach right next door, and I went to college in Norfolk at Old Dominion. And he said, well, no, I went to Norfolk State University right down the road. And, and I said, well, well, what are you doing now? And he said, well, now I'm going to Hampton University, and I'm doing some graduate studies. And all of a sudden, the conversation began to unroll, and I'll never forget this moment. It was like his whole body kind of relaxed, and he stuck his hand back out, and he said, hey, man, I'm Mark. And I said, hey, I'm Brian. And all of a sudden, everything was comfortable. It was casual. And we connected and talked, and we have stayed Facebook friends and, and, and in that way to this day. And as I thought back on that experience, I noticed that as we began, we were both in a disorienting environment. It was different, and it was new. And so because we were disoriented, we opted for a more formal address of each other. But all of a sudden, once we found a common connection point, everything became casual. My hunch is you've noticed the same thing in your communications, too. 
my hunch is, is that when you are trying to impress somebody, or maybe you're reaching out for a job, or you're trying to send a letter to your boss or someone else, that you are very formal. That you make sure to type in exactly what you want, you proofread it, you might share it with someone else, and you might sign off sincerely or, or cordially, right? When we're not sure, we communicate formally. But all of a sudden, when we're with friends, I don't sign anything sincerely or cordially, Brian. Right? No, in fact, my favorite way to communicate when I'm communicating with friends and with family is with emojis. And uh, I thought just for fun that I would share some of my favorite emojis because I love, I love emojis because they have the power to convey between friends communication. And when there's a natural and relational dynamic, we can communicate in these short ways. So uh, some of my favorite emojis include this one, uh, the laughing crying eyes. And I, I just I love everything about this picture over here, and I love how it just kind of conveys the emotion of something that's happened or that's crazy. The other one that I used most recently, and, and before I share that one, I would love to see your favorite emojis uh, on your phone, or if you already know them, you can kind of share, share, post your top emoji that you use the most often, uh, or, or maybe your top two that you use the most often in the comments. I want to see what your favorites are. Uh, but this is my other go-to, these eyes. And usually this comes in a text to say, uh, here's what the kids just did. And it's one of these like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, or you get some kind of news or some kind of thing. But these two emojis right here are my go-tos because between friends and family, between myself and my wife, these are the ways that we can communicate with each other. And my hunch is, is that these are the ways that you communicate with your friends, your your partner, your spouses, your 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 people that you would call your best friends. Uh, and so some of the favorite emojis here, uh, Jacqueline is the koala bear one, which I think that's actually Curtis's favorite one. Um, we've got kind of, I use this one a lot too, but like, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, hands on faces, love eyes, these are all great, all great. Uh, these are the way that friends communicate with each other. And I don't have to tell you that this Easter is different than any other Easter that we have ever, or perhaps the world has ever experienced before. This is not the Easter that I was planning for. And I'm certain that this is not the Easter that you were planning for. In fact, the hopes and the dreams of everything that comes next, the, the ideas of where we go from here are up in the air. The calendar has either dates that have been erased or we're just watching as events and things that we had planned just pass us by and they're just not what we expect. And then perhaps we're finding the good and we're finding ways to still thrive and to live life, but the truth is is that we're just kind of watching this time go by and events pass on the calendar. And a day like today reminds us that, that the world is just different right now and that things are upsetting and that there's trouble in the world. Well, in that first Easter, as Crystal read, there was also trouble in the Bible. The hopes and the dreams of what comes next for the disciples had been locked up in a tomb. They had followed Jesus for all these years, and then all of a sudden, the one that they had followed and believed to be not just the king, not just the greatest teacher, not just a healer and a prophet, but the savior of the world, the Messiah, was dead in a tomb, sealed up. 
And so all that they had planned for and all the things that they might have thought would be coming on their calendar next were just gone and were wiped away. In fact, as we began the passage, the first line says, After the day of Sabbath at dawn on the first day, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. And when they came to look at the tomb, there was a couple of things that they were expecting. They were expecting to smell death and to see death. Their job and what their devotion was was to come and to rewrap Jesus' body and to better prepare it because it had been done in a hurry a few days before because of the Sabbath that was coming. And so they would have brought spices and and linens and would have done a proper, devoted burial job for Jesus' body. It wouldn't have changed the reality that he was dead. It was simply just their devotional act to him. And I expect that they came out of fear because if they killed Jesus, the followers might be next. And so Mary and the other Mary find themselves at the tomb that morning expecting fear and death, but instead, instead, they meet Jesus alive. And I love how the scripture tells us that they were both excited and afraid at the same time. And I think that's the right response when you encounter someone who has been raised from the dead. This is amazing, and I am not sure about this. And that's exactly what they experienced in that moment. And so perhaps, when we think about emojis, there's one emoji that uh, if, you, if you think about Easter, that comes up. And so if I was to type into my phone, Easter, because you know your phone will kind of suggest emojis for you. If you type in Easter, you'll get this little cute emoji. And uh, it's this, this cute little chick and an egg. And I, I like that for Easter because it reminds me of, of the eggs with the candy. And it reminds me of little you know, baby chicks and all those kind of cute things that we ascribe to Easter. And while that is the suggested emoji for Easter, I'd like to suggest a different one for us this morning. And I'd like to suggest the emoji that I see in the Bible when Jesus returns. And it's this one right here. It's the little hand waving high. If you were to type into your your phone, your tablet, high, most likely it'll suggest this this little hand waving right here. I'm trying to point to it, but it's obviously reversed. Uh, It'll suggest this little hand-waving emoji. And the reason why I think that one is the case is because of what happened in that moment. The scripture tells us that Jesus met them and greeted them. That Jesus met them and greeted them. If you remember from the scripture, the angel already gave to the two Marys the instructions that they needed to take this message that Jesus is alive and to take it to the disciples. And so Jesus also appears in that moment and seems to offer the same message that the angels gave. We might wonder why. But at this point, we pause and notice that Jesus met them. That even though the angel had given them all the instructions that they needed, it mattered to Jesus that he had a chance to stop and to say to them, Hi, it's so good to see you again. Mary and Mary, I'm so glad to see you again. And we know that because of the way that it says that he not only met them, he not only stopped them because it was important to him, but he greeted them. Now, the way that word originally came and the way that Matthew gives us that word is that that wasn't a formal greeting. That was a greeting that was given between friends. The risen Christ greets the Marys 
as friends. And it is important to him to stop and to do that. The, the greeting that he offers is one that is joyful. It's one that is common. It's one that, like uh, my friend Mark and I, was friendly and relational and was now between two friends. In fact, it wasn't a greeting that at all was formal. Notice that Jesus doesn't come back and stand before the women and say, Behold, it is I, the risen Christ. He just says, Hi. And notice also, it's not a holier-than-thou greeting that says, hold, hold on, hold on a second, stand back, stand back, make sure you know that I am God in front of you. Like, take a step back. It wasn't that kind of greeting. And it certainly wasn't a greeting of anger or vengefulness. To say, where were you all? You know, you all betrayed me, and someone should have rescued me, and you should have done these things to stop it. Or you shouldn't have ran away at the end. You should have believed that, that something was going to happen, that God was going to change us. It, it wasn't an angry or a vengeful greeting at all. It was a friend to a friend who is missing each other, and Jesus is there and excited and ready to simply say, Hi! It's so good to see you. I've missed you so much in these last few days. And I'm so excited to be with you again. Our mission as a church, and perhaps you've heard it before, is to offer a refreshing invitation to Jesus. To offer a refreshing invitation to Jesus. And that's exactly what I think of when I think of a refreshing invitation to Jesus. is an invitation where we can help someone get in front of God and the greeting that they receive is not angry or vengeful. It's not formal or it's not holier than thou, even though God is holier than us. A refreshing invitation to Jesus is hearing Jesus say to us, Hi, it's so good to see you, and I'm so glad that we have this chance to be together. And I want to be a part of your life. When Jesus offers this invitation to the Marys, and he offers this in that moment, what he's doing is he's offering them and us two different things. One is forgiveness, and the other is a call and a purpose for our life. And perhaps you heard and noticed that what Jesus says to them is, go and tell my brothers. Now this is a little bit different than what the angel said to, to, um, to the two women. And Jesus specifies, go and tell my brothers also. And I wonder, why did he specify them in that case? my hunch is this. It's because when Jesus did find himself arrested and captured and eventually placed on the cross, it was the brothers, the disciples, the, the men who either ran away because they were afraid, who ignored or, or perhaps even betrayed Jesus, or who denied him. We're told that in those moments that all the disciples left and left him alone. So Jesus wanted to make sure that they knew, those who had abandoned him, that when they would see him again, it wasn't going to be a vengeful, spiteful, where were you in my time of need? And it wasn't going to be kind of a lashing, so to speak. What they were going to receive was a, I'm so glad to see you. It's so good to see you. And that invitation of Jesus would bring an invitation to forgiveness. Where those who had abandoned Jesus could come once again before him forgiven, and to begin again. It's good to know that when the disciples got it wrong, there was forgiveness and restoration. Because it happens to all of us, too. 
These were disciples who had failed to fully live up to what God called them to. And when God met them again, he offered them hope, a forgiveness and a welcoming and an invitation to walk with him again. The other part of that greeting that we see there is an invitation for these two women to go and to tell them. They would be the first announcers, the first proclaimers, the first preachers of the good news. And that is significant and powerful. It tells us lots of things, that Jesus is upending the way things had always been and using people that, that others had said could not do those things to do those things. That he was giving status to those that society said was an outcast or not worthy. But notice that it was the women who were at the cross when Jesus was up there who stayed by his side, who though they couldn't do anything to fix or to change that reality, stayed with him so that at least he wasn't alone. When we're going through these hard times, as I know many of you are right now, with all the challenges of work um, or being out of work and being furloughed, perhaps our friends can't fix that for us. Sometimes it's just nice to have a friend alongside us who can sit with us and be with us and can walk with us in those moments. And that's what the women did for Jesus. And their faithfulness allows them and calls them to be the first carriers of the good news that Jesus is resurrected and everything is different. In fact, when I wrote this, when I, when I began to think about this sermon, it was a, a few months back and we were trying to get ahead for Easter and I went ahead and picked the particular story, you know, from which of the Gospels that I want to read. And I thought, I want to read Matthew's story this year. And I began to think, just because it was in my spreadsheet, well, what should the title be for today's sermon? And I thought and I prayed on it, and I finally came to this title, Easter Still Changes Everything. And I italicized the still. And I had no idea those months ago how much we would need to know that Easter still changes everything. That Easter still changes everything. That's the good news of the Bible. And uh, the theologian R.T. France says, you don't simply offer a conventional politeness to someone who just, to someone who was just raised from the dead. And that's exactly what the women do next, is that once Jesus meets them and greets them, the scriptures tells us that they came and they grabbed his feet and they worshipped him. They grabbed his feet and they worshipped him. Now, there's something significant that's right here. The, the first part is that they grab Jesus' feet. And part of this is Matthew's way of showing us what's happening, of saying when they grabbed his feet, they were physically touching a real person. And so the resurrection wasn't just a myth or a hoax, or it wasn't just their overexcited imaginations, as some people may come to think, that they were actually touching a real person. And so it's a reminder to us that when God came in the flesh in Jesus, he was 100% human, fully human. But notice also, they worshipped him. And this is Matthew's way of linking together that Christ was both fully human, able to be touched and, and hugged and waved into it, and he was fully divine. That he was fully worthy of worship. Because the only reason that we would bow down and worship someone is because we knew and believed that they were the God of the universe. 
And so here, Matthew is showing us that Jesus is both really alive and really God. And all that he promised came to pass. And so I think that's good for our experience because when we encounter Jesus either for the first time or in this season, we might have a lot of preconceived notions. We might expect that when we first meet Jesus, that he'd be very formal. Behold, I'm Christ. Right? We might expect that he would bring up kind of a laundry list of all the things that we had done and might need to confess. Or we might expect that he would remind us just how much holier than we that he is. And yet, when we meet Christ for the first time, the way that he responds to us is with a friendly, welcoming, embracing, Hi! It is so good to see you, and I'm so glad to be here with you. And I'm so glad that you have finally come to this place where we can begin this journey of friendship together. And perhaps like the women, that's unnerving to us, and so we are both excited and scared at the same time because it's not at all what we expected. God is in the surprising business and surprises us when he meets us because he's not interested in judging. He's interested in forgiving and welcoming and waving and saying hello and inviting us onto a purpose and a mission for him. So Jesus' invitation, his high, is an invitation to forgiveness and one to follow him. And our response is just like the women's, to come and to grab his feet and to worship him. To know that the God that we are worshiping can relate to how we feel because he's walked in these shoes. He understands what it's like to be human and he understands what it's like to be going through what you're going through. And perhaps he hasn't had your job or your unique scenario or those kinds of things, but but in the person of Jesus Christ, God experienced the very worst that the world had to offer. And he took all of that and he left it there in the tomb. And he defeated it and he rose from the grave. And perhaps that doesn't mean that worshiping and following Jesus will fix everything that's wrong in the world. Perhaps worshiping Jesus doesn't mean that our calendars will suddenly fill back up and all the things that we're missing will rush back in. But as it did for the two Marys, what it will do is to help us to fix our eyes on Jesus so that we too can hear the words that they would hear in the days and the weeks to come. And the words that they heard were, do not be afraid. I am with you always. Do not be afraid. I am with you always. And those words in the presence of Jesus can change everything. And that's why we need Easter, because even though everything is different about Easter, and it's not the Easter we wanted or planned for, we still need the reminder that God is with us always. And that when God meets us, his response to us is a welcome hi. I'm so glad to see you. And so as a church, we have tried to live this out. We've tried to offer this refreshing invitation into our community. Uh, we've tried to do it by recognizing that, that we are not perfect disciples, that we give it our best and we often fail. And when we get it wrong that there is forgiveness. And we try to forgive each other and to forgive those around us we try to model that a friendly high rather than the sense that as a church we're holier than thou because we know we're not, right? 
And we've tried to live the example and the role of Jesus by recognizing those for whom society or the church has said, you're not good enough, or you're not valued, or your life doesn't look like what we think it should. And we've tried to turn that back around and say, no, these are exactly the kinds of people that Jesus welcomed and brought in and put into leadership and gave the message to and said, you be the ones to go and share the good news. And that's the kind of church we want to be, a kind of church that knows that we have been blessed by God so that we can offer a blessing to someone else. Someone else who needs to know that God says to them, hi, I'm so glad to see you. So I want you to know this morning that God says hi to you in Jesus. That's why he came. To invite you to live forgiving, to send you with the authority and the commission to speak on God's behalf with love. And my question for you is how will you live that out in this season? How will you, like those two Marys, not only receive the hello and the welcome of God, but extend that to others? So it breaks down the formalness, so it breaks down the uncertainty and the confusion, and it gives people the hope that they need and the connection that we all so desperately desire. That's a question that I'll leave you with to pray over and to wrestle with. And for all of us to rejoice in the good news today that Christ is risen and that he is risen indeed. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.